You may be seated. Guys, I'm so excited that my longtime mentor is going to preach today. He was my youth pastor. I met him when I was in sixth grade, and he has just been um, mentoring me through many phases of life. He was my first boss because he brought me from Texas to Nashville. I served under him uh, in a youth group a Cornerstone Church in Madison, and in the 90s, there was a, quite a youth revival, and God did amazing things. In 2000, we were able to start a church together back in the Dallas area. Well, I say that he's the one that started it. I, like, got his coffee and made, you know, copies of the bulletin and stuff like that. Um, and, and my family was part of that. Pastor Deborah and her husband Paul were part of that. They're actually the ones who scouted it out beforehand and told John, you need to come start a church in Dallas. Aubrey and Jennifer McGowan, who lead worship here all the time, and Aubrey preaches all the time. He was on staff there for like 10 years. And so we're just connected in in just ways that would take a long time to describe. So it's just really a special friendship that only God uh, can orchestrate. He's an overseer at this church, which means he just keeps his eye on me, makes sure I don't preach anything dumb or and corrects me when I do wrong things and all that kind of stuff. Now, here's the deal. This guy is a fiery Pentecostal preacher. And so he's not going to be comfortable unless you're amen and screaming and holler. You may even want to get some hankies out, right? Okay, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. But I just had to play a good trick on him. Now, he's a great, great Bible teacher. You're going to love this. Would you guys please welcome my dear friend, Pastor John McKenzie. Love you, man. Hey, guys. Hey, what, what an honor. Honor to be here at Church at Indian Lake. Um, so, Melissa and I, I know some of you really don't care, but we spent eight years here, and I feel like that we met, I, I believe, we met some of the finest people in the world in Middle Tennessee. And, and we have been, whoa, sorry, we have been forever changed because of some of you. Uh, 31 years ago last month, uh, I met Aaron Allison. He was in my youth group. Uh, he, I, I was 17. He was 14. No, I'm kidding. It was, I was a little older than that. Um, but little Aaron, he was little back then. And what I mean by short, I mean short, not anyway. And over the year, I had no idea. Listen, I had no idea the impact, lifelong impact, that Aaron would have on my life. He's one of my best friends in the world. I talk to him more often than I talk to any other friend in my life. Um, he asks me tough questions and helps me in my leadership way more than I help him, I can assure you. Uh, Aaron and, and Beth, uh, 18, over 18 years ago, were one of the first ones to say, hey, we're going to go to Texas with you. She was pregnant. They lived in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere that their family owned, and they came and sacrificed to help us start Hope Fellowship today. And, uh, I, and I say this most sincerely. The church that I pastor. Uh, would not be where it is today without Aaron Allison and Beth. Can you give them a huge hand? We love you guys. So grateful. So grateful for you guys. Uh, My wife, Melissa, is here with me, prettier and younger than ever. Stan, would you? I'm serious about that. She is... She is awesome. So if you care, those of you that do know us, uh, Macy, our firstborn, uh, she's 20, she'll be 27 years old. Can't believe it. But she's a worship leader at our, uh, one of our campuses called the McKinney Campus. And our son, Connor, uh, is a worship leader at our Frisco West Campus. Our daughter, Madison, our third, is married to a, a pastor who they live in Illinois, uh, outside of God's will, no question about that in Illinois. 
at least to mom and dad. Uh, but her and her husband serve at a great church there in Macomb, Illinois. And then our youngest, Cassidy, is in Bible college navigating a call in her life. And the reason I say those things is not because of Melissa and I, although Melissa had a huge part of that. I had a small part of that. But some of the people in this room had, had a tremendous impact in the lives of my kids. Uh, Deborah Jackson uh, was the first children's pastor that we had that led our group when Macy was in third grade and Connor was in kindergarten. Uh, Shelby uh, was the next person who really gave Connor his first opportunity to preach his first message. It was terrible, but, but she had a tremendous impact. Shelby, I love you, and I'm so grateful for you. Aubrey and Jen McGowan, uh, later in my kids' years, probably had the most impact uh, in those years. Uh, mentored them, loved them like family. Well, I love them like family, but Aubrey and Jen, I love you guys. I'm so grateful for you and the impact that you've had on my kids. So enough of that, okay? So those who didn't care about that, too bad. I love these people, and I'm just so grateful to be here. And, and, and Aaron was right. Paul and Deborah, they called uh, Pastor Davis in, in, uh, many years ago and said, hey, I heard John was leaving, going to go start a church. Where's he going? I don't know yet. And he says, well, they got to come here. And, and I did not want to go. Uh, he told me McKinney, Texas. I said, I'm not going to McKinney. I mean, that, in, in those days, when I was there, it was like in the middle of nowhere. And they said, no, you got to come check it out. And the minute we drove into that area, we knew this was where God was calling us. So thank you, guys. You had a huge impact. I love you guys. I'm forever grateful. And, and it was the Lord, right? It was just the Lord knew that you guys were moving down there and all that stuff. So today... Today, whatever it is that you may be navigating in your life, um, the challenges, the difficulties, the, the hard times, the, the things that you don't understand, the things that you just step back for a minute and you go, God, are you here? I don't understand what's going on. Though It's in those times that the words of Jesus are so needed that we just read a minute ago in John chapter 14. Let me read him again. I am leaving you, Jesus talking, I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. I want you to really remember that phrase, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. In other words, you won't find it in a bottle, you won't find it in a pill, you won't find it anywhere else but Jesus. So don't be troubled or afraid. But we live in a culture, we live in a time period in which there are Areas and challenges that try to drain us, rob us of the very peace that Jesus says, I'm going to give you a gift, and that gift is going to guard your heart and your mind. The peace that I give will guard your heart and your mind. And it's not always easy to obtain, but it is real. And our emotions and our minds, the way we feel, the way we think, directly determine the peace level in our hearts. And let me explain by that. How many are, would consider yourselves emotional people? Would you just raise your hand? A little emotional, a little emotional. How many are a lot emotional? Okay, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of a lot. Of, when I watch the Dallas Cowboys play, I am emotional. Okay, and I know you don't care about that, but I love the Titans too. They're, they're my second, eh, second, third, whatever, but I love the Titans, okay? And I was rooting for them. Man, I was so disappointed. But um, when I watch the Rangers and the Mavericks, I'm emotional. When I was in high school, every girl I dated was the one. I'm serious, was the one, and I fell head over heels, and then I'd get hurt, and it was all terrible. Even Melissa dumped me, uh, but I got her back, 
and I, and I won. I won. But the reality is, and that's just, that, that's just the way I'm wired. I have that. And some of you are wired even more than that. I mean, you mo- you're emotional about everything. You wear your feelings on your sleeves or you're ex- always excited or super sad or, you know, whatever. It's just like, you know, all that stuff. Now, some of us are not quite that way, right? Some of us are more thinkers. We're more reflective. We're more, uh, you know, get by myself. And we just think, 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 think. I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus said, the gift that I give you, the gift of peace, is going to help you in your mind and it's going to help you in your heart. Those of us that think, 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 and those of us that feel, 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 he's going to help us walk through the, the, and navigate the challenges and the difficulties of life. And today, that's where I want to spend our time. Psalm uh, chapter 135, I think, or 139, it says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. How many understand that we are, there are some of us that are really complex. If you're married, just look straight ahead, right? I mean, because some of us are just really, really complex, hard to figure out, but that's the way we're wired. And if you're wired that way, we're not alone. The Bible is filled with people who navigated emotional difficulty. Elijah is, is one of them. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, I'll go into the whole story, but he had just called fire down from heaven, consumed the altar in front of all the prophets of Baal, won a huge victory. I mean, if you're walking away from that encounter, you're believing in God with all your heart. I mean, crazy, crazy victory. The very next day, here's where we find Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and listen to this. He prayed that he might die. You ever been there? You ever been in a place where you just felt like God was a million miles away? You had victory after victory, and you, you, you know God, you love God, but then you find yourself in a place in challenges or in circumstances that you go, man, I just wish I, I, just wish I wasn't here. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who've already died. I've had enough, Lord, he said. I've had enough. Some of us may be there. I've had enough. King David. King David, as he writes, man after God's own heart, right? I mean, best king, most famous king. Psalm 10, O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? Psalm 13, O Lord, why will you forget me? How long will you forget me? Forever. How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with the anguish in my soul, with my sorrow, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Psalm 22. Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. uh, 42. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? 42.6. My God, now I am deeply discouraged. That's David. You ever been there? When you just felt like God is seriously a million miles away, what did I do to deserve this? That's where David's feeling. That's what he's feeling. The disciples in the boat, in the middle of a furious storm, these guys were commercial fishermen. They they understood. They'd been on the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. The Sea of Galilee is not all that big. It's not like huge, like the you know, the ocean. I mean, it's a, I can see across for the most part. I can see almost across the whole way. But obviously this, this 
storm was fierce. And here's what happens in Matthew 8. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. You ever felt like Jesus was sleeping in your life? If you were really honest, I know in church we would never say that. But in, as you're driving down the road and you're thinking thoughts and you're feeling things and you go, man, I, feel, I just feel like you're asleep. And here's what they said. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why have so little, or you have so little faith? And he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly all was calm. Does it always work out like that? You feel like Jesus is asleep, and then all of a sudden you pray, and then he goes, oh, everything's done. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. In this case, he did. But I'm here to contend that not every time does it happen that way. And that's why peace is so very, very important that we learn how to navigate. I call it the, the secret place of peace. Just, just understanding that of all the people in the face of the earth, of, of the people who should walk in a peace, that, that in the midst of challenges or in the midst of a storm, in the midst of even tragedy, that there is something about our walk, there's something about our faith, there's something about the, the God that we serve, that there is a peace that we can't just figure it out, we can't put our finger on it, we can't explain it, but it's there. And, and of all the people on the planet, that should be, not, this is not a judgment, because we're all in this together, we're all emotional, we all have challenges, we all go through dark times and sad times and challenging times and all those things. But I'm just here to say that in the midst of those, whether he takes those things away or not, what's our response? What are we walking in? Are we walking in the peace that he promised, a gift that I give you that will help your heart, help your, help your heart, help your mind? So before I dive into my, one of my life verses, I just want to pray one more time. Would you with me? I, I want you to open your heart and say, and you may be going through, man, everything is going up and to the right. You may be here today and it's like your marriage is awesome. Your finances are awesome. Your kids are perfect. Um, I mean, you know, maybe we're not perfect, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, everything is just going really good. I promise you, I promise you this, you're going to need this someday. If it's, if it's like, man, I don't need this right now. You may not need it right now, but you're going to thank me. You're going to send me a note someday saying, man, I'm so glad you said that. So let's pray. Would you open your heart? God, um, your word is really, um, as, the, as the Holy Spirit empowers the word, it's really what changes lives. I have nothing to do with it except just a servant. And I pray that today, as, as you've ordained it, that I would be here at Church at Indian Lake. I'm so honored to be here. But help me to get out of the way. And may your word and, and your spirit do what only they can do. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. Our eyes are open. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you're emotional and, and some of these things, I'm going to put some things on the screen that I think sometimes... Maybe it's seasonal, maybe it's lifelong. By the way, I understand that there are those of us that struggle with a chemical imbalance of some sort that is in nature, sometimes I've had family members or friends that had to be hospitalized, that had to walk through a very dark season or a dark life. And the grace of God on this side of heaven, if they're never healed from that, the grace of God is going to cover them, and they'll be healed at some point. That's not the emotional turmoil or mental turmoil I'm talking about today. 
those of us that walk through life, have jobs, doing our thing, families and, and challenges and financial things, these things that I'm going to put on the screen, maybe it's seasonal for you, maybe it's been lifelong, but these are things that are, are telltale signs of the absence of peace in your life. Put them on the screen. If it's chronic anger, and I'm not talking about the anger on the, on the highway, okay, because I have that anger and God told me that was okay. That kind of anger is totally okay, all right? Right? How many are with me on that, right? It's okay. Okay, yeah, I'm an aggressive driver. If you're slow, get out of the way. You know, just move. I'm talking about, I mean, it's chronic. In, in your anger, of, of, I mean, everything makes you anger. Chronic fear. Um, chronic offense. You live your life offended at something. Chronic worry. Chronic sadness chronic anxiety, chronic insecurity, chronic volatile moods. Again, look straight ahead. Those are, these are things that are the direct absence of peace in your life. And I really do believe with all my heart, because the word says so, that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't mean you'll never be angry. It doesn't mean you'll never be insecure. It doesn't mean that you'll never have a fear. It doesn't mean you'll never be offended. But what it does mean is you don't have to live your life that way. And how you walk through your emotions will directly determine the quality of your life. How you walk through the challenges, how you walk through the difficulties of your life will directly determine the quality of your life. And when I say quality, I'm not talking about the American dream. I'm not talking about wealth or that. That's fine. I'm talking about being in the center of God's will for your life. That affects your quality of life. So today I want to visit Philippians chapter 4, and we're, I've got two points, okay? The first point is really, really long. The second point, I almost have no information, okay? So, 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 you, so when we get past the one, you can go, okay, we're almost done. First point is, is going to be um, a pretty long one, but I want to read Philippians chapter 4. This is one of my life verses. Chapter 4, verse 4, 6, and then 7. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. He, his peace will guard your hearts and minds. Notice that again. Notice that again. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Two observations and we'll be done. Number one, control the things only you can control. There are things in this passage, we're just going to go verse by verse through this passage. There are things in this passage that Paul gives us to control. In other words, it's in our ability. It is in our uh, power to control these things. So underneath this point, control the things only you can control. I'm going to give you four sub, like, bullet points. The first one is scriptural. It's just, they're all in the scripture, is be full of joy. Verse four, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again Rejoice, and that, that, that means that Greek word always means always. Okay, it means all the time. It means always be full of joy in the Lord. Verse three, or chapter three, verse one. Whatever happens, everybody say that with me. Whatever happens, that means whatever happens in our lives. My dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you things. Now listen, I could stop there because it's it has to do with with joy or so rejoice. But the last sentence there is key. Ready? And I do it to safeguard your faith. Whatever happens, see, the whatever happens in our lives 
those are the those things, the whatever happens are the things that drive us either to the Lord or away from the Lord. The whatever happens, he says, I'm telling you, doesn't matter what happens. Learn to rejoice in the Lord no matter what because I do it to safeguard your faith because I've watched it over the last 18 years of being a senior pastor. I've watched so many people love God, come to the Lord, get involved, but something happens, whatever happens, and they bail. They get disillusioned with God. They get hurt at church. They do, I mean, whatever. Something happens, and that whatever happens, they don't learn the art of of joy and and they shipwreck their faith. Paul says, I'm telling you this to safeguard your faith. So important is full of joy thing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always be joyful. Now, it's easy to say it. It's another thing to live it. In my life, some of the things that I've learned in, in, in walking in joy, and I don't, you know, do it often. I mean, I don't do it all the time. But man, one of, the, one of the goals of my life, in fact, 35 years ago or so, maybe 33 years ago, I wrote down some, I called them bottom lines in my life. Tommy Barnett was preaching at a something, I don't even remember. And he said, you need to establish some bottom lines in my life. And one of the bottom lines that I wrote down 30 some odd years ago was nobody's gonna steal my joy. Nobody's gonna steal my joy. Now, one of the things that I do is to maintain perspective in that. In other words, somebody is always worse off than me. Does that make sense? I mean, somebody always, there's something that could be worse. There's something that could be more uh, significant that happens. The next thing is I want to surround my people with full, uh, surround myself with people full of joy. One of my top strengths, we do a, a, a many tests at our, in our staff about, you know, our gifts and all that. We do one called Strengths Finder, and one of my top strengths, number one strength is positivity. I love to see the glass half full, not half empty. And one of the things that drains me are people who are negative. So if you're negative, I love you, but I don't want to be around you. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to, I don't want to be inundated with negativity all the time because it drains me. It drains me. And there's a place for you in, in the kingdom, just not at hope. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just not at our church because I can't handle it. Surround yourself with people full of joy. Now, before I, before I veer off on the next one, I think that's important here because I had this question last service. A guy came up to me and he talked about something in his life and, and so forth, and, he, and it was about this point. And he said, what do you do when you're in business or what do you do when you're married to someone like this? And I said, well, this is, this is the part where when Paul prayed that this thing would be taken away from him, the Lord Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Some of us need to walk in that sufficient grace even when it's hard even when it's difficult. So it's not, always, it's not always the case where you just say, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna leave myself of all these negative people. Sometimes you're married to a negative person. Sometimes you're in business with a negative person. Sometimes you're in ministry with a negative person. And you just have to walk that out and his grace will be sufficient. But when I have the choice, and I wanna be around people who are gonna encourage me. I wanna be around people who are faith-filled. I wanna be a people, around people who have joy in their life, not negativity, and then resist entitlement. In other words, when you ever say, I don't deserve this, resist that entitlement. Resist the entitlement. Man, that will rob you of joy immediately because you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through something. You may not know it now. You may not have experienced it yet, but you're going to go through something that you do not understand at some point in your life. And when you say, when you let those words say, I don't deserve this, 
that is a sense of entitlement. And Jesus took upon himself many more things for you that he didn't deserve. Does it make sense to you? That you just got to suck it up and say, all right, you know what? I am not going to let this. Whatever happens, I'm going to be full of joy. It's it's in my power to control this thing. So I'm going to do that as best as I can. So that's the first one, be joy. Underneath, what what can I control? Be full of joy. The second one is is don't worry. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Easier said than done, but what causes us to worry? Sin. When you're engaged in willful sin, now I know all of us sin, but I'm talking about you're engaged in stuff that you're always worried you're going to be found out. You remember David, King David? Always worried he was going to be found out, always trying to cover his tracks. Sin does that. It makes you worry. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. Doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. But when sin has entered the picture, man, you're automatically, you're, you're, you feel less confident about your relationship with the Lord. Which the next one is, why do we worry? When we're disconnected from God. When you are disconnected this way, the circumstances this way develop around you and you are like, wow, I, I don't know what to do. You begin to worry. You begin to fret. You begin to talk to everybody else around and you're trying to get all this, you know, counsel and all And it's not wrong to get counsel, but sometimes... You just need to, you need to just sit before the Lord. When you're disconnected from God, you begin to worry. When you're distracted by life. When you're distracted by life and how busy we are, many of us are busy. we got so many things going on. Our kids are going crazy. They, we have all kinds of things that we're involved with. We're just busy, busy, busy. When you get busy, you get distracted. And when you get distracted, you get disconnected. And when you get disconnected, you begin to worry. It's a pattern. It happens. Those are things that rob us from joy. And then we, when we make unwise decisions. How many have ever been in a, sense, a situation when you're in the middle of making an unwise decision and you know it, but you make it anyway? I mean, I've been in that situation. I bought my first car, 1988. Uh, it was not 87, it was 88. Last service I said 87, I lied. Didn't mean to lie, but it was 88. I went to the, the VW place, Metro VW in Irving, Texas, and I traded in my 1981 Honda Civic for a brand new Volkswagen 1988 Jetta. I didn't tell my wife. I just went to the thing and I bought it full sticker price and I called her on the phone and said, hey, babe, I bought a car today. Dumb. (laughs) Dumb. I've never done that again. And I knew in the middle of it, I knew in the middle, I was like, man, I don't know, man, I shouldn't, I don't know if I should buy this. And this was 30 years ago, but man, I, I was dumb. I knew in the middle of that, sometimes when you're in the middle of making unwise decisions, you lose confidence and you worry. So control the things that only you can control. Be full of joy. Don't worry. And number three, pray. You got to pray. That, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. A few years ago, um, I'm, a, I'm a motorcycle rider. I love it. I, I ride all over the country now, and man, my son and I ride together, and it's just the, one of the joys of my life. I thank God for it. Ride a Harley, and um, I bought a, a few years ago. I bought a I bought a Harley, and this one um, had a, a big stereo in it. And man, I was so excited. I was ready because I love listening to music on the road. And uh, but one of the problems with that was it connected to the stereo system. Uh, was my phone at the time would go out of battery life. Is I would go for hours and it would run out of battery and I'd be like, oh man, because if you don't want to get stuck without a phone somewhere, you know, right? So um, I was cleaning the bike one day and as I came across the left side underneath the fairing there, the the fairing is the thing, it's called a fairing. Anyway, I was cleaning the bike and I saw this button 
And I was, I was like, what is that? And I started turning it. And it would turn. It would go left and right. It would go round and round and round. And I was like, what is that? I thought it maybe controlled the mirrors. I didn't know what it did. And, and then I realized, oh, this is a cigarette lighter for my cigarettes. I'm kidding. I don't smoke. But that's what it was. That's what it was. And I pulled it out, and there it was. I mean, it was like, oh, I can actually plug my phone in while I'm writing, and it will be charged. I didn't even know it was there. That's the way prayer is in our lives. Some of us, when it comes to worrying, we're spending all our time talking to other people, trying to get people on our side. Try, and when I say side, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to get some comfort, trying to get some peace. When he says, don't worry, tell your neighbor. That's not what he said. Don't worry what? Pray. That's your power. Pray. And I'm telling you guys, when you begin that, when you begin to learn the art, the secret of prayer, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress, my refuge, my God, in him will I trust. The secret place. If you want to stop worrying, if you want to control the things that only you can control, guys, we can control our joy, We can control our worry. We can control our prayer. It is the secret sauce. It is the power of walking through the difficult times, walking through the storms of life. When you plug into that power of prayer, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then the last one is worship. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's done. Two years ago, we started a journey at our church, a financial journey. It's the biggest thing that I've ever done. We we're going to build, we're, we, we're almost finished now, but we were embarking on a, a building our new facility at our original campus. We just built two other campuses or bought them and finished them out, and we decided to enlarge our original campus. So, I mean, I've never done anything like this. The amount of money was crazy, and I was, you know, just going through it. I'm a terrible fundraiser. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just terrible at that. You're asking people for money, and I just hated every minute of it. And, and our people didn't like it either. And we were at a place at the end of uh, 16 where, for the first time legitimately in my life as a, as a pastor, I wanted to quit. It was the first time that I really contemplated and thought about what, could else, what else could I do. I was going to start a motorcycle dealership. I was going to get a camper and move to Colorado and just say bye to everyone. Well, not bye to Melissa, but I was going to take her with me <laughs> and my dog and my dog, Daisy. But um, first time, the first time in my life I'd ever experienced that, legitimately experienced like I don't want to do this anymore. And I knew better. I knew better. I'd preach this stuff all the time. But when it got to me, and I know this is very light compared to what some of you go through and have gone through, but for me, it was, it was that I felt the weight. I was carrying the weight of this deal on me. And I went out to my patio, and I sat there in my chair, which was my favorite place to be with the Lord, I put on my music with my little box there, and, and I just sat there, and I was like, Lord, I, wanna, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. This is too hard. This stinks. Um, but I know that I know that i got to find the secret place. 
And as I worshiped the Lord, and as I just sat there and soaked in his presence, I'm going to tell you something. Something happened in that one time. One minute with the Lord can change the rest of your life. And it's, and it's that when you learn the art of worship, when worship is far beyond singing, worship is not just singing. Worship is everything we do. It's a lifestyle. And when I sat there on that patio, tears flowing down my eyes because I knew that I wanted to quit. And I knew that I was like, man, I don't, this is just not worth it. But I knew, also knew that I needed to find the secret place because I wasn't in a good place. I was worrying. I wasn't praying. And I was praying in a sense of religious way, but not in a heartfelt way. And I just laid it out before the Lord. And he gave, listen, I'm telling you, and this is not made up. He, he gave me a piece. And I walked away from that encounter. And I was like, okay, this isn't my church. I forgot it's his. Does that make sense? It's not, these aren't my people. These are his people. And he loves them. And I walked away with like, oh, that's what the secret place is. Man, you and I, in Philippians 4, control certain things. We control. We control our joy. We control our level of worry. We control our prayer. And we control our environment in the sense of we can change that environment. I was in the midst of a storm, my little storm. And my little storm kept going. It didn't all of a sudden, whoop, magically disappear. My little storm kept going, but John was different because I, through worship, through thanking him for what he's done, reminding him of this is yours, not mine. Remember Moses doing that? He did that several times. These are your people. These aren't my people. These are your people. Remember that because I don't like them, right? I mean, that's what he was doing. That's what we do. And, it, and listen, when we control the things that we can control, point number two, he will control the things that only he can control. The, the, the verse that I want to go to, that last verse, and it says this. Then, verse 7, when you, when, anytime you hear, you, you see this in Scripture, then, you know that he's saying, hey, what I just said, be full of joy, don't worry, pray about everything, tell, thank him for what he's done. When I, so, so that's what just Paul just said. He said, when, then, when you do all of that, God will do what only he can do. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, listen to this, guard your hearts, the way you feel, and your minds, the way you think, as you live in Christ Jesus. See, when you do what you can do, God will do what he can do. And what he can do is provide a peace that passes understanding. And it will, it doesn't mean that we're not going to feel, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to think. It doesn't mean that we're not going to walk through challenges and trials and, and difficulties, and, and that's going to happen for everyone. But what it does mean is in the midst of that storm, in the midst of that challenge, he is with you, and he's going to provide a peace that you can't explain. It doesn't come with a sleeping pill. It doesn't come with a drink. It comes only from Jesus. When you control, when we control the things that only we can control, he will control the things that only he can control. Let me say one last thing, we're done. I want you to hear this. If we can learn to control the things we can, that only we can control and allow God to control the things only he can control, listen to this. Our circumstances may or may not change, but our level of peace will. This doesn't mean that when you, 
maintain joy and when you don't worry and when you pray and when you do the worship and you do all the things that you're supposed to do, it doesn't mean your problem, your challenge goes away. It doesn't mean that that will change. But what it does mean is that you will and I will. And that is the secret of walking in peace. That whether or not your situation changes, whether or not your kids change, whether or not your husband changes, whether or not your wife changes, whether or not your finance change, whether or not your business changes, whether or not your health changes, whatever it is that we walk through, it may or may not change. And I pray that it does. I pray that whatever challenge that you may be facing, I pray that he, he supernaturally answers that prayer and there's a miraculous story and it's awesome. But what if he doesn't do it that way? That's the point of this message. Whether he does or whether he doesn't, you're going to walk in peace no matter what. His grace is sufficient for me. Lord, I pray that your word... Um, more than anything else in this place, God, I pray, Spirit, whoever it is that may be walking through difficulty, challenges, feels like, it just feels like I don't want to be here anymore. It feels like I'm a million miles away from you. It feels like we're going to die. It feels like, are you not going to answer? Help us to know that you are here in the middle of our storm. And may you do the things that only you can do as we surrender and do the things that only you can do. I can do. We can do. It will, I believe it will change our lives. I believe it will change our lives. So may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our lives here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.